I try to be as non-judgmental as possible and try to remove my agenda. I feel like I become more of a mirror in my job and help them reflect themselves back at them rather than be a portrait of myself. For me, life happens in the context of relationships. It really does. There is a lost art to listening and seeing. Let's listen first and make sure the person feels heard and seen. Welcome to the People Around Town Community Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Michael Cropper, and I'm really happy to bring you this podcast. My purpose is to connect with people from all backgrounds and let them share a little of their story. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has life worth living, and we can all create more joy in our lives. I want to hear other stories so we can learn from each other. If you are interested in sharing about yourself, please go to peoplearoundtown.com and send me a message. Okay, I'm with Clark Ripplinger. Clark, thanks for talking with me and being willing to uh, answer some questions about yourself and your life. Anytime, Paul. I Uh, love that you asked me to do this. uh, Clark, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? Where am I from? Uh, I grew up in South Durin, Utah. Went to high school with you. With me. (laughs) Uh, Then I kind of created more of a life for myself down in Provo just because of college and different things. I'm now currently in Lehigh, Utah County still. Just working in American Fork here in my office where we are. Your office. Tell us about your office and what you do. Um, Well, we're actually in the waiting room, the extra waiting room of my office, in case we ever get extra busy or have some clients that have siblings that need to chill out while they're waiting for their brother or sister who's in therapy. So this is kind of like a bit of a playroom. I like it. (laughs) I really like it. There's a nice mural on the wall of all these kids playing in a playground in the sandbox. And there's, I don't even know what that thing is called, but I love it. It's this old school... Thing with bobbles, you can move them around the different wires and different pathways. Yeah, that is pretty old school. But it's so classic and iconic, and I have no idea how to refer to it. I don't either. But I love it. Wired, wooden shapes. Yeah, and each shape has like paths. a specific pathway that's colored, and it's yeah. fun. You can like spend hours on that just doing nothing. <laughs> Sounds like Facebook and the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so things are just transforming to other platforms. <laughs> These age-old human experiences (laughs) that are just looking new. Okay. I think I'd rather take a quarter, you know. (laughs) That's my favorite. Spinning it around? Spinning it, yeah. We would do that at lunch in, like, high school and and middle school. And then we would, like, flick it across. Did you ever play that Knuckles game? Um, I didn't play it that often. I think I was afraid of getting bloody knuckles. Yes, bloody knuckles. That's actually what it was called. But what about football? You, like... Like fold a piece of paper into. I loved that one. Did you? Yes, and you flick and make a goal. One of my favorites that I still love to play is at restaurants. We would um, get the sugar packets and slide them across the table, and if you get it to like be off the edge of the table but still on the table, the other person has to eat the sugar packet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gross. <laughs> well, you say that, but growing up, like when I was like twelve with all my siblings. 
whenever we'd go out to a restaurant, it was a real treat. We loved it. And the sugar packets, we would just eat them for fun. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't a punishment. <laughs> Not really. Okay. If you wanted a punishment, you get like this blend of stuff or the fake sugar. I've never <laughs> eaten that stuff straight. So nasty. Is it, it is so bad. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you should. Have the experience. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, so tell us about your occupation. This is your office. This is my what office. Do do? I'm a psychologist. I'm currently just doing therapy, seeing clients right now. I have done assessments in the past. I've taught classes in the past. I've um, done research in the past. But right now, I'm focusing on the therapy side of things. What do you enjoy about being a psychologist? Oh, man. There's a lot of things I really enjoy about being a psychologist. Um, Sitting with someone in therapy is one of my favorite experiences in the world. It really, really is. To just sit there with people who share things that they have never shared before, whether because they've felt unsafe or just never had the opportunity or the situation to or just haven't created that for themselves in their life to to just be there to be this non-judgmental voice for these people who are worried about how this information or this this piece of themselves what that would do sounds like it's about creating a safe space for people a safe space where they can be vulnerable be real yeah. I love it. It becomes like a a very sacred space too, in yeah. addition to safe, but it just becomes like this hallowed yeah. in a way. So you've been called to do that for a long time? Like you've been on that trajectory for a while. Have you kind of. Um I was talking about this with my siblings yesterday. The very first time I ever thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Oh, I I don't think I even had words for it. We took, I I don't think I knew. I knew I wanted to be a father and to have kids. But anything beyond that, I had no idea, like profession, career-wise. So when they take, when you take those tests in in middle school, high school, wherever, where they are supposed to give you ideas for career options, the first time I took it, I looked on the back to see which profession made the most money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was a physician, and so I went back through and then adjusted all my answers to see if I could get that one. And I did. <laughs> so I was successful at that. I should be a doctor. The second time I took it, I was a little bit more genuine. Well, a lot more genuine. I decided to take it for real, and it told me I should be a funeral home director. And wow. no slight to anyone who's a funeral home director, but that just is not something that I would want to do. I don't know if I would want to be surrounded by death every day. I don't know. Uh, And so, I don't know. I kind of just kept on that that prestige track a little bit. When I went to college, I was going to be pre-med, and I was going to figure that out. Either that or engineering, and I tried an engineering class and didn't care for it. Um, But then I was at BYU, Brigham Young University, and found ballroom dance, which is something that I wanted to do for the longest time, and my parents never let me. So finally, when I was in college, I'm like, yes, I can do it now. Awesome. Um, And I spent so many years in college, never declaring a major, but just doing a lot of dance. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then finally my dad sat me down when I about, had about 180 credits. <laughs> and he's like, you need to graduate and get out. So because I was partially pre-med, um, a biology degree was the one that got me out the fastest. And I, I knew I didn't want to do med school at that point. It was going to be too much school. So I decided to do biology teaching so I could go and teach in middle school and high school and um, be a teacher. So I did that, graduated, got a teaching job up in Salt Lake area. Um, and in that career path, I actually ended up teaching with my sister at the same school. She taught math and I taught science. And sometimes people thought we were married. Sometimes people thought we were dating. And like, we have the same last name. We look exactly the same. <laughs> anyway. That's cool. Um, but loved being with the seventh graders. Not seventh grade science. Twelve-year-olds. They are the best. And people sometimes think I'm crazy for saying that. But they just wanted a place to just be themselves. And I feel like at home there was so much, um, you need to do this, you need to do that. Very restrictive in a sense. Mm -hmm. And so when they were at school, it was more of a time where they could just be with their friends and just love and live. And I liked that. And I liked being in that transition period for them, um, trying to figure out, who they were. They were between that elementary school where they were children and high school where they are more of an adult and, mm -hmm. and just trying to figure out who they were. And so I just loved creating safe spaces for them even then. Yeah. But then um, being in that field, I also was being asked to teach a curriculum that I didn't really care about per se. The biology? The biology. Like, sure, science is great, but I was more concerned about my students that, yeah. and their mental health. And I had a student whose dad um, committed suicide over the summer, and I was just grieving for her. And she was part of a, a, a bereavement group um, with the school counselors, and I was like happy to let her go anytime she needed to for that. And then the, the principal and the administration was like, they need to be doing better than they did last year. And I was like, do they though? <laughs> so I kind of felt a bit of a mismatch. Huh. And I went back and got my master's degree in, in, in school counseling because I saw the school counselors doing work that I felt like I wanted to do more of and fell in love with the counseling side of things. And so then I went on to go get a PhD so I wouldn't have to be tied to the secondary education system. So I could work in a place like this where I'm doing private practice and just seeing people as often as they need and as often I feel like is appropriate. And just helping them through life, being there for them, helping them deal with the hard things that sometimes they just can't talk with anyone about. How would you say you create that safe space for people? Um, that's a tricky thing. I don't, I, oh, how would I put this into words? I don't feel like it's like, I don't think it's something that just anybody can do per se. For example, parents. Parents have an agenda. They're trying to raise their kids. They're trying to get them to succeed in school, succeed in life, to behave, to not get in trouble. Um, and so when they hear some of these things from their kids, there's an immediate reaction and a judgment and a, and uh, that parental concern and the agenda that comes into play. Do you think some of that is because parents are saying, well, my child is like this, that reflects on me? Is that a lot of what you see or? I don't know, I haven't thought about it in that way. 
I hadn't thought about why the the parental agenda is there as far as like whether that's a reflection on them as parents or whether it's something that they genuinely think is best for their kid as far as like a, a loving concern. I don't know, but it is always there. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be the, the, the truth of the matter. But for me, like I, I have to, I try to be as non-judgmental as possible and try to remove my agenda as much as possible. I feel like I become more of a mirror in my job and help them reflect themselves back at them rather than be a portrait of myself and and have me show up there you know it's, it's it's i become more invisible and it becomes more about them so i like to view my office as almost an extension of their thoughts and their brain so any judgment that comes in i want that to be the judgment that maybe they are judging themselves for rather than than me judging them mm-hmm. so i have some clients that come in where their parents are also not happy with the situation that they're in and we Coming to talk about it, and some of them have shared some things that that they they know their parents would not be happy about, and I get to be there, and I don't blow up, I don't react, I don't ground them, I don't take their phone away from them. In fact, I find that I'm loving them even more for them having trusted me and shared that information with me. So I'm just grateful that they have come to me with that experience. So for me. There's the lack of judgment. There's the gratitude for the whole thing. There's earning their trust. There's a lot that I try to do to make a safe environment for that kind of a relationship to happen. Um, how do you earn someone's trust? Hmm. Even in your practice or in your personal life, what do you think? Good question. So, I think initially someone like my thoughts at one point I think would have gone to building trust you have to be perfect in a sense so like you don't let people down you don't fail them you like earn that trust by being this type of a person that never fails them but lately I've I've come to a different understanding like I feel that one we're all human we're going to make mistakes we're going to do things that decrease safety with another person we do things that maybe they aren't happy with that we do that may put some distance between us but I find that that the ability to repair I think is the most powerful way to build trust like for example I had a client who came in recently who was not really happy with the way that therapy was going I actually didn't know about it until recently when they were able to voice that. Um, and so for me, like I viewed them, again, trusting me with that information. It was like a big sign of like still trust. It, sure, there was maybe something that wasn't happy about the relationship that, or something that they didn't like per se, but they still trusted me enough to tell me about it. And, I was, for, and what I did is I honestly took a second, reflected on it, and I apologized. I was like, you know, I'm sorry this hasn't been the experience that you want it to be, you know? And now that I know that, and now that we're clear, I want to help create this experience to be something that you enjoy and that you're going to benefit from. So let's change things, you know? So repair, like in that situation, that was a a big deal, and I feel like 
we actually grew a lot closer and trusted each other a lot more because of it. Not because we knew that this wasn't ever going to happen again. In fact, mm-hmm. we actually talked about that specifically and said this may happen again. That this still may not be on the right path that you want. But the fact that we were able to sit and talk about it and say, you know, we were wrong. I was wrong. Let's fix it. I think that's a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah. Sounds like it's about an intention to work at it and find what works for everybody. Yeah. You know, if you can. But the intention is there. Yeah. And it's so easy to get defensive or close-minded or feel the need to justify why you did this or have a rationale. And I'm like, I don't know if that necessarily builds trust or increases closeness between two people. Yeah. So a question I have is like in your training, do you use any like body language stuff to like communicate with people? Uh, All the time. All the time? All the time. Can you teach me about that? Sure. Um, Probably the most clear example of this that I do um, when I can tell that someone is sharing something that's really emotional or powerful or difficult for them, I, I will change my body language. Like So right now I'm just sitting on my chair sideways with my legs crossed and kind of in a casual position. You seem very comfortable. That's intentional too. We I know. It seems like I was wondering. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> but if that kind of a situation comes up where they're sharing something a little more sensitive, I will shift the chair, which I'm doing right now, turn it straight. I'll sit in it straight, put my feet flat on the ground, and I will like lean in. I'm really focused on what you're saying. Yeah. And like I'll sometimes soften my voice. I'll kind of match their tone. So if they're like sharing something that's really angry and upsetting for them and they get loud and mad and frustrated and I'm like, yeah, that sounds really annoying. I'm sure that, yeah. So kind of matching their tone and being that mirror again and reflecting that. And if, and if it's something a little sad and they're like speaking real hushed tones and not making a lot of eye contact, then I sometimes will honor that and not make a lot of eye contact myself. Um, make it in a little more intentional and then soften my voice, you know. I wish I had a camera so I could like video this. This is a, a really good lesson. <laughs> Just communication like that. Um, yeah. How do you see that translate into the rest of your life? Hmm. Um, I think it's been more... It's interesting for me to see my body language um, in certain situations. And it's, it's not something I necessarily feel like I intentionally direct per se. But it's something that I've learned that um, has increased my insight. Like, for example, if I find myself like looking around the room in the middle of a conversation, then I have this like third person experience almost where I'm like, what am I doing? I'm doing this. Oh, I'm not clued, keyed into what's going on right now. I'm like yeah. somewhere else. Or like if my feet are pointing away from a certain person I'm engaged in a conversation with, it's like, oh, I don't want to be here. There's like a lot of things that I don't necessarily like try and shift and be intentional about it. It's been more of like an awareness for myself of like, oh, this is where I'm at. Some here and now present mindfulness stuff. Yeah. yeah. That uh, I think is really powerful. Just, you know, recognizing actions and I'm doing this. Oh, why am I doing this? Oh, I feel this way. Mm-hmm. So that's really awesome. I was thinking about uh, how it helps you understand other people, but you told us like, it helps me understand myself. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Well, thank you. I really like that. So uh, trying to get a idea of who you are, Clark, <laughs> uh, a fabulous human being. Well, thank you. Um, what's something that you've struggled with your life, in your life, that's kind of defined you? Um, well, interesting that you should ask that, because as you were... Well, he was just sitting there talking about me. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know who I am sometimes. I don't know if I feel like a fabulous person sometimes. <laughs> and so I, I was just going to say those very things, those two things are probably the things I've struggled with the most is trying to figure out who I am as a person and what kind of person I want to be. And then also feeling like that person that I am is a good person and has and brings worth and value to fill in the blank to any area of my life you know and I feel like um I feel like I'm a bit of a, a people pleaser with a certain to a certain regard and or maybe a chameleon and maybe that's kind of why this works as far as my job because I am really good at matching other people but it, when it comes to my personal life it's then suddenly a, a difficult thing and a problem and it's like uh, why am I doing what am I doing is it doing am I doing this because this is something that I value and that I want to create for myself or am I doing this just because other people expect it or because it would make other people happy or um if you subscribe to like the color code personality stuff like I used to have a lot of white in me which is more of the pacifist the like like the person who would kind of absorb a lot of the conflict for the sake of keeping everyone happy. Yeah. And so a lot of me got lost in that, you know? And so it's now just been a, a it's been a journey and it's still a journey, but um, recently it's taken a turn even more so for the better I feel where I can start to own some of my own space and start to not apologize for my wants and my needs yeah so that's a really tricky thing for me and something that i've struggled to do even like even back in high school <laughs> this dates back this is yeah. something that has been part of my life for a long time um like even high school with dating like honestly when i turned 16 i don't think i wanted to date but i had a lot of good close friends who are girls and like it's kind of your responsibility like the girls don't want to sit home on a friday night or miss out on a dance because you didn't want to go and i'm like oh i guess i should go then you know <laughs> so i did i think i went to i think i went to every single school dance with the exception of my junior prom because that one was a little intense for me and i was, I was like this i was putting so much pressure on that and as far as like this means I really liked the person and I didn't want to send that message. So you just decided not to go. Yeah, so I didn't go to my junior prom because I was like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but every other school dance was like, I can do that for them. I can do that for them. Like that became like almost like a motto of my life. Like I can do that and I should, so I will. Yeah. So. So has been divining yourself been a process of well, what do I want to do for myself? Yeah, but I, that I, whenever I even ask myself that question, it comes. I feel really selfish. What do I want to do for myself? 
and I, I have a hard time even asking that. So the question that I've felt more comfortable asking myself in regards to that is like, what kind of a person do I want to be? And what's your answer? That's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, you've been, t- you've been communicating that, but what would be your answer? <sighs> well, when I think of that, I immediately think of, of, of values like a caring, loving person, someone who stands up for people and fights injustice or creates a space for everyone that doesn't have a space. And I sit there and I think, I need to be that for myself, too. Yeah. So I also add in a value of being like a whole person, of feeling like my needs are met. Um, yeah. And, and even like putting words to that beyond that is really difficult for me even. Like I can really define how I want to be and who I want to be in the world that I'm in. But as far as like what do I need back from that world, it's hard for me to even identify and put words to. So I just know that I want to be whole and, and loved and valued and a lot of these things are things that i am working on still giving myself yeah does that make sense do you believe the notion that um i can only love other people as much as i love myself i like to ask people this because some people agree some people disagree i i've heard that question or that whole notion and i've danced back and forth on both sides of that argument and having been in the role that I'm in as a therapist, I feel like I, and even now I'm dancing back and forth in my head. <laughs> I initially was going to say that I don't believe it. Like I feel like we can be the love for someone else that we wish we had for ourselves. But then I sat and thought, I'm like, I only know how great that is and what that feels like because I've had it in moments. I don't know. That's a tough question. And I don't know if there is an answer, but... I don't know either. (laughs) I just know I'm going to try and give as much love as I can. (laughs) Yeah. And I do think that does need to include myself. True. And I'm more able to give more love when I feel that love. And even if maybe you can love other people more than you love yourself, I don't know. But it's always enhanced by allowing myself to be loved. True. No matter what. I believe that. I believe that. I did too. Clark, what brings you joy? And First off, these questions that you're asking me. I was just going to say, like, I love these questions <laughs> that you're asking me. And then I cut you off, sorry. You said, what brings me joy? No. And what brings you joy? <sighs> Another way I ask is, how do you experience joy? Oh. I would answer those two questions very differently. Yeah, they're two different questions. Um, well, let's talk about how I experience joy first, because I think that's going to help me identify when I feel joy. Cool. So, actually, maybe they do go hand in hand. As I'm sitting there thinking of my answer, <laughs> it's like starting to mesh a lot more. <laughs> um, I experience joy in, in this feeling of lightness and just at ease and just 
I feel like worries and concerns, sure, they may still be there, but it's like, I don't have to be concerned or worry about them right now. I can just sit here and bask in this. It's a physical sensation, even just that I feel like in my chest and my shoulders, just that weight off sometimes. And even just now, as I'm talking about it, I can notice in my, like the way that I'm describing it, that like, oh, that heavy sigh sometimes of just like, it's gone, you know? And it's just utter, complete connection and acceptance and comfortable. And for me, it, it always happens with other people. For me, life happens in the context of relationships. It really does. I like the whole, I do believe the adage of no man is an island. Um, and when you have those moments with people or in, it doesn't, for, it doesn't even have to be with people. Like there was a moment where I came home from an experience with a group of guys and I was just by myself and it just, I, it was still about the relationship though. I was just so overcome with gratitude for that whole experience of just being seen and seeing others and having that feeling of, of being loved for all that was seen. Even if it's stuff that you feel like you fear that people will not love you be and because of it. Yeah, facing that shame. So sometimes the most powerful is when you are willing to put something out there despite fear. Yes. And be accept accepted. Yeah. Being vulnerable is a scary, scary thing. Because I think it's, well, talk for me. Um, being vulnerable for me is a scary thing because some of the things that I fear most are rejection after having been vulnerable. Yeah. That's frightening. It's like, here's this piece of myself that I worry is going to prevent us from connecting. And then to have that like actually realized and have that fear validated is awful. But to, to face that and take, take that risk and to be met with love, that is utter joy for me. That is, oh, I just would, I love those moments and I want those moments to like freeze in time for forever, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I love those moments too. And I think they're so needed and so rare sometimes. And so there's a, I think that's partially why I got into this profession is just to one be a little bit of that for people connecting with your therapist is an interesting thing because there's such a unique relationship where it's isolated and not part of your real life per se it, the con that confidentiality and that separateness is important but it it's interesting and in a way one-sided Yes, it is very one-sided. 
Um, but to be able to be that for people to give them a taste of what they could have, it's powerful. So I love to teach people how to be vulnerable, but I also love to teach people how to respond when people are vulnerable with them. Because that, I don't know if we're good at that as a society. Maybe that's part of the reason why it's very rare that we have these experiences. Talking about maybe we're not good at responding? Yeah. And that's why I really love Brene Brown's work. Mm -hmm. Like if you Google some of her stuff, there's a video on YouTube about two animals. One's a bear, one's like a fox, I think. Yeah. And um, that one that I was thinking of was where the bear like goes down into the hole and joins the fox down in the darkness. And yeah. just is like... Then one of the animals puts a silver lining yeah. that boxes the emotion in. Yeah, it's like, well, at least you don't have it. At least yeah. it's this. Yeah, it's like, ugh. This doesn't really help. No, but sometimes sometimes there's not a lot to say other than just, right. I'm so grateful that you shared this with me. That sometimes just all that there really is to say. But yeah, it's a powerful, powerful thing. To just sit and join with someone in that. So that's why I love that you're doing this. Because here you are, like, seeing people, creating a space for people to be vulnerable in a sense and to put their stories out there. And you're such a good person for to open up to. Like, you are one that I know responds well when shared with. Thank you. So thank you for that. I struggle asking the right questions. <laughs> but it's not about the right questions. It's all about how you make people feel when they share with you. Yeah. And you do a real good job of that. You do a real good job of that. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Very good. Thanks for sharing yourself, Clark. I really appreciate it. Thanks for wanting to see me. Yeah. Another question that comes to mind is, um, and you've like already answered it, but if you were to get on your soapbox and say, how do we heal the world? Make it a better place. <laughs> what would that mean? What does that look like? How do we heal the world? What does it need to be healed from? How do we heal it? Make it a better place. <laughs> That's exactly the thought that came to my mind. But I feel like... There is a lost art to listening and seeing. I think that we have reactions and get defensive sometimes or feel the need to fix or feel concerned, whatever. We have these reactions and sometimes, most times, I would dare say that those are, while they're important, I think they're better left to resolve later. Let's listen first. And make sure the person feels heard and seen. And then after that, then you can look at those reactions. But I think that's the most important piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. It really, really is. It really, really is. You know, I, with this podcast, I get to learn to listen. And I go back and I listen to these interviews afterwards. And it brings me so much happiness just to sit and listen to whatever someone shared. <laughs> well, Clark, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you, Paul. For Thanks. sharing about yourself. Anytime. Really? 
Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I'll come back. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the People Around Town Community Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes, love it, leave a review, or go to peoplearoundtown.com and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Have an awesome day.